Irritable bowel syndrome is one of the most common gastrointestinal complaints. With no one single identified trigger or treatment, IBS can be a minefield for a person to try and get on top of. Diet changes are one area that can have a positive impact on IBS. And in this podcast, I'll look at the current evidence for different approaches with a focus on the popular low FODMAP diet as well as probiotic supplements. Irritable bowel syndrome is a common gastrointestinal disorder affecting up to one in five people. Symptoms of IBS include abdominal bloating, pain, flatulence, diarrhea and altered bowel habits. The condition can be difficult to diagnose because other conditions share the same symptoms. The cause of IBS is unknown, but environmental factors such as changes in routine, emotional stress, infection and diet are all known to trigger an attack. And with no definitive cause of IBS, treatment is mostly focused on managing the symptoms. For a condition that affects so many people, there are few effective treatments that are well supported by evidence. One emerging dietary treatment for IBS that has gotten a lot of attention is a low FODMAP diet. FODMAP is an acronym for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides and polyols. And this includes carbohydrates such as lactose, fructose, and fructans, and fructans are long chains of fructose molecules such as inulin, and then combined with sugar alcohols. So together, these are what we call FODMAPs. And you'll find FODMAPs in a whole range of foods, such as wheat, milk, pears, plums, onions, garlic, and even legumes. Now, FODMAPs can be poorly absorbed in some people, leading to their accumulation in the small intestine, where they then pass into the large intestine. Once there, they can draw more water into the bowel, which increases the chance of diarrhea. FODMAPs can also increase gas production from their fermentation by colonic bacteria. So these effects of FODMAPs in the bowel explain many of the symptoms reported in IBS. So, what does the research say about following a low FODMAP diet and improving IBS symptoms? A comprehensive systematic review from 2018 of seven randomized controlled trials did show a reduction in global IBS symptoms through following a low FODMAP diet. And I'll link to this review in the show notes. But research is never static. And since that 2018 review, there has been new research published. And that was the topic of a just-published systematic review that looked at not only the effectiveness of a low FODMAP diet, but also various species and strains of probiotics for relief of IBS symptoms. And I'll link to this review in the show notes. Now, the reason probiotics were looked at in the review is that they may help improve IBS symptoms. And this can be done by changes in the gut microbiota, as well as changes in metabolites produced by bacteria when they ferment uh, carbohydrates and other sources of fiber in the bowel. So probiotics can also interact with the intestinal immune system and the nervous system. So probiotics can thus modulate gut motility, inflammation, and gut hypersensitivity. So with all of that, what did this new review find? Firstly, agreeing with the building evidence base, a low FODMAP diet did appear to offer symptomatic relief from IBS. 
And in a novel type of analysis, asking the opposite question, they also looked at trials that used a high FODMAP diet versus a standard diet, and consequently saw a big jump in IBS symptom scores. So it's almost at the stage now where a low FODMAP diet is becoming first-line therapy for helping to manage IBS. Now for probiotics, it was lactobacillus, bifidobacterium, and bacillus that appeared to be effective components in the management of IBS symptoms. But it was the evidence for lactobacillus that was considered of the highest quality. In studies that used a combination of probiotics, these were hampered by small sample sizes, so it's hard to say definitively if a combination of probiotics would be better than one particular strain. And the optimal probiotic treatment duration was still unclear, with most studies in the analysis only running for four to eight weeks. So despite the clinical benefits of the low FODMAP diet, a potentially negative impact on the gut microbiota is a concern, especially when you consider that probiotics appear to offer a benefit. So beneficial bifidobacteria concentrations are lower following a low FODMAP diet, which is most likely due to reduced consumption of fermentable carbohydrates. Because after all, these fermentable carbohydrates are the fuel the bacteria use to grow and to thrive. So it's a clear reason that while a low FODMAT diet can offer symptomatic relief from IBS, it is not a diet intended to be followed long-term because of concerns of long-term gut health. So the impact of the low FODMAP diet on the gut microbiota is only one of the challenges. The low FODMAP diet is complex to follow and may lead to lower fiber, iron, and calcium intakes. And then you need extensive food knowledge and label reading are also required to identify suitable foods to eat. And this is why it is advised to seek education and support from a dietitian for anyone considering trialing a low FODMAP diet. And as a gastroenterologist once said to me, IBS is code for we don't know. And that is a fair call to make as the underlying cause or causes of IBS can be so varied. And it is, after all, a syndrome. And a syndrome is a group of symptoms which consistently occur together. And in the case of IBS, the underlying disease or what's causing it isn't really known. So diet and lifestyle are one place to start in treating IBS And it is where dietary strategies shown to improve IBS symptoms can include things like peppermint oil, certain probiotic formulations, psyllium supplementation, avoiding trigger foods such as spicy food and caffeine, and of course trialing a low FODMAP diet. And they all have a place to play for an individual in managing IBS. So let's wrap all this up. As it is unlikely any one single dietary strategy will benefit everyone with IBS, then it may be a matter of trialing different approaches. This is where getting professional advice and support from a dietitian can help, especially with the more involved approaches such as a low FODMAP diet. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on if it supports it, or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com.au and click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. 
This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible, evidence-based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow, and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition. Thank you.